Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on Go Big Orange Friday. Ethan Stone, Ryan Shumpert here as they are every single week, except for Ethan Stone, who was gone for the last couple weeks because Ethan Stone went and got himself Mary putting the pressure on Ryan Shumper with my uh, marriage coming up in three weeks. We got yeah. Ethan locked down. I'm locked down. Ryan, you're, you're next up. We don't have a whole lot of traction on that front. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad to report, but yeah, I mean, the pressure is going to be going to be put on me here in, in about a month. Well, you know, there's no rush, man. Uh, there's no rush. Uh, I know I look younger than I am, but uh, 31, it's uh, it's about that time. Uh, I will say at the Maryville, uh, the Maryville uh, Powell game last night, uh, someone asked me on the sideline, they were like, uh, do you go to Maryville or Powell? And I like, looked over <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, no. That is, that is tough. That, 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 it was tough. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Ethan, how was the wedding? How was the honeymoon? You went to Hawaii. Did you cross paths with the Vanderbilt Commodores coming in and out of the building or no? I, I did not. I've seen in some of their like Twitter videos and stuff like that. I've been like, hey, I know, you know, the, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme from. Uh, mm, yes. <laughs> I, did that, I did that a couple of times when, when they post stuff on yeah. Twitter. Like, hey, I was just there, but it, it was a wonderful time. I really enjoyed it. We spent a week there in Oahu and then we went to Kauai. I was a big fan of that and obviously a, a big fan of Aaron. <laughs> so <laughs> we're getting off to a strong start here. That's good, man. They say the first week's the hardest. That's yeah. what they say. Um, I like it. Well, I'm happy for you, man. Uh, that's great. Um, but uh, we must move forward with some Tennessee football because did you hear about this? Did you see this? Tennessee football is back next Thursday um there's a lot a lot of fun stuff i think to consider here and the first thing that's extremely fun is the status of brew mccoy's eligibility uh people are really having a fun time with this the usc athletic department's really having a fun time with fall twitter um can only imagine what some of those voicemails have (laughs) entailed uh in the usc athletic office but uh ethan what do you make of the Brew McCoy impending eligibility issues and how do you think it ultimately unfolds? I, I just finished writing something about this for Saturday Down South. One of my first plan pieces was actually just kind of going back and looking at how unlucky Tennessee has been just with all of that because mm. we had a, a weekly meeting and someone actually brought it up and I was like, you know what? I, I've known that in the back of my mind, but you're absolutely correct. Stuff just seems to hit Tennessee unlike it does other SEC programs. Um, Aubrey Solomon comes to mind. Cade Mays, with, with his dad and his finger, comes to mind immediately. I mean, getting away from football, Euros Plavsic, that comes to mind. So all that that whole thing happening with Tennessee basketball a couple of years ago. So this Brew McCoy thing is nothing new. The drama is nothing new for Tennessee. How it unfolds, I have, I have no way of knowing, to be totally honest. It could be an Aubrey Solomon situation where uh, Ford – Four days before uh, game time against Ball State, which I guess would be just in a couple of days here, he uh, is declared eligible by the NCA, and then he has to kind of go through that whole process again, maybe with the SEC, to see if he'll be um, eligible for that. And I, I don't know. To be totally honest with you, seeing how it's been in the past with these transfers, I would be very surprised if he's playing week one against Ball State on Thursday. Hmm. Ryan, what do you think? Do you share that sentiment? Yeah, I mean, I, I throw even into the guys Ethan listed. Byron Young last year was the same same situation. He missed the first two games. And, yeah, I mean, we're six days out here. So I, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I don't 
have a lot of optimism that he's going to be eligible for Bowling Green or for Ball State game one. Um, but, you know, I, I think in the end, I, my guess is that he'll still get eligible when that'll be. I'm not sure if it's Tennessee's case. You surely hope it's going to be before Pittsburgh. Um, you know, you're going to get past Ball State easily without him. You'd expect it would just be nice for a guy that's in a new offense who had a hip surgery this offseason to get some knock some rust off week one. So we'll see. And I think I said back at the beginning of fall camp that I thought this was going to be a bigger deal than uh, anyone was talking about at the time. And a lot of that because of what Ethan said of, of the history of it. It seems like we're always down to this last week with there being someone, you know, whether it's J.J. Peterson, who obviously that wasn't a transfer. That was just getting academically eligible. But uh, it's always something. And I think at this point, uh, it would be, a, to me, a little bit surprising if he's eligible by game one. I mean, the main thing is just game two, right? Like, the pick game is where you ultimately went. But it's just, it's so strange because you listen to all the people, like, just really in the know here, and it seems like they're all just like, because it's up to the NCAA, like, this could just go on the whole season. It could be done tomorrow. We have no idea. And then just the back and forth of what USC. So, Ryan, explain to me like I'm five, going full Michael Scott here. Explain to me like I'm five uh, what that actually means when there's been pushback uh, from some other balls beat writers on USC doing everything they could to uh, just expedite this process for Brew McCoy. Yeah, so I've, I've had it explained to me like I'm five, too. So here, here's my understanding yes. of the situation. You had this original process to get eligible, which is the essentially the school that the player came from can sign off on it and essentially make them eligible. And that's where in the past, like uh, you've seen cases where you hear kid gets denied. He's eligible mm-hmm. and he's denied and he's appealing the process and he's appealing to the NCAA this time, not the former school. And essentially, instead of USC declining or accepting uh, that eligibility they're just sitting on that sheet they haven't touched it they're not doing anything with it so tennessee is essentially i think they did this all the way back maybe a week and a half ago now a week and a half two weeks ago now went ahead and typically you have that waiver that you apply uh after you get declined they went ahead and did that to the ncaa before so that's how it is kind of simultaneously in the ncaa's hands where i think usc is claiming in that process they're not interfering they're not feeding any negative information to the NCAA about Brew McCoy, but at the same time, they can sign that sheet. They still are sitting on that and, and can make him eligible at any moment. So that's kind of uh, anything to half truth is the line Austin Price has used. I, that's my understanding of the situation and kind of how uh, how we've gotten here um, and how it relates to kind of typically the, the timeline you see on this type of stuff. Interesting. I'm also kind of like, I wonder if it's kind of a blessing if he does, if Brew's not eligible for the first game, just to see what the Vols have in, in um, Walker Merrill and uh, just who they're going to have behind him. Like that might be able to put Jalen Hyatt outside for a little bit in that one and kind of experiment with Jimmy Calloway in the slot and Jalen out wide. Like, I wonder if it gives them more room to experiment in week one and just see what they have behind Brew because I feel like based on the daily reporting at camp and stuff like that, Brew's ready to go and like Brew's going to be the guy and they're not worried about Brew McCoy uh, in that spot. And if he comes back, you you know what you have in the former five-star kit, like Brew McCoy, like it's a good idea of what they, they got there, but they don't really know uh, with Walker and company uh, behind him and maybe Caleb Webb gets some snaps. Uh, maybe it's just, I, I think there's more intrigue because everybody's going to play in the Ball State game, but um, I don't know. I, it's something to monitor uh, over the course of the next couple weeks. Uh Ryan, what was your favorite uh, Lynn J. Dixon moment uh, during his time at Tennessee? What was your what was your favorite practice moment that you'll never forget? 
There was this out route that I watched him run when the receiver or the running backs and quarterbacks were working on routes on air. And I mean, it was crisp. I mean, you, mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara and Sanford Stadium to take the lead in 2016. Mm-hmm. It was boom. It was just like that. Uh, I mean, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal play in a phenomenal era that LNJ Dixon had. I mean, almost as long as Kevin Still lasted in Knoxville and Sally Not as much money, though. As I say, Sally for Lindsay, I don't think he gets that million dollar buyout that uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Still finagled out of his alma mater. I mean, hey, you, it's good business if you can make it happen. Uh, Ethan, when you look at the four scholarship running backs now left on the roster, a lot of folks worried. Like, I think Princeton Fant is RB number five if it comes to it. Um, you had a walk on last year, get some carries because Tennessee was so, and people were like, oh, who cares about the fifth spot? It's like, well, they were at the fifth spot for a little <laughs> bit last year with Pierce. Um, what do you what do you think of just the the leanness on this uh, in this running back room now? Are you is this something to be seriously concerned about derailing Tennessee's season? I I I don't think Lynn J. Dixon by any means is the guy that it's it's going to teeter on. If Lynn J. Dixon's there, then then Tennessee's going to be a, a great team, and if he's not, he's they're going to be a good team. I, me personally, I've been of the camp, and I haven't been near practice recently, and I, I haven't been as enveloped as I was a while ago, but. I don't think – I think Tennessee's going to be fine. I mean, ha- having – what I've heard from guys like Dylan Sampson and, and, and Justin Thomas, obviously, is, is that they've been solid, I guess, as freshmen. And, and knowing that Jalen Wright and, and Jabari Small are going to do their thing, and it, injuries are a thing, I understand. But if they go out there and they do their thing like they did last season, Tennessee's going to be fine. And hopefully, you never even get to the point where you need to rely on the freshmen. And if you do – from what I've heard, they've been pretty solid in camp. Now, Ryan would have to uh, say yes to that, I guess, check that off. But from what I've heard, they've been doing well. And so Tennessee sh- fans shouldn't have any reason to be worried. This is, I guess, in the first place, uh, a team that wants to really hit you with the short routes and really, you know, kind of spread you out wide in that regard. But I would think that the running back, where we are with Jabari Small and where we are with Jalen Wright is perfectly fine. It's right now. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ethan's right. I think those freshmen to this point have been about as good as you could expect. I mean, really, especially Dylan Sampson, given the fact that he wasn't here in the spring. And I, to, to me, it seems like he's ahead of Justin Williams Thomas at this moment. But I think it, there's still just a, a nature of doubt with those guys because it, it just becomes different now. Classes start this week, kids on students on campus. Football's not the only thing they're doing now like it was in camp. And then there's a nature of it. These are freshmen and they, you got to go out and show it in front of a hundred thousand people too. I, I think to have that complete trust, but no, I think those four guys, Tennessee feels really good about uh, is, you know, the struggle, the depth of not having a fifth scholarship back in a derail the season, which I think is the, the word you use. I don't, I don't think that do I think it could come into play? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just like you said, there were three or four games last year, probably where Tennessee used five running backs and maybe they didn't have to in all those games, but it, it did happen. And, I think it's interesting you brought up Princeton Fant because one thing that I'm going to be monitoring is do they use him? Do they slide him in the backfield and pass protection any even before you know they, they run out of any of these guys? Because I think they feel pretty good about Jabari Small and pass protection. Jalen Wright struggled in pass protection pretty badly last year as a freshman. He's been non-contact for most of fall camp. I, I believe he was back uh, or he was doing full contact this week. And then those freshmen, I mean, that's kind of the biggest adjustment for freshman running backs is uh, pass protection. So I think that's a really a big question mark with of the four, the running backs that they have on the roster. I think that's the biggest question mark. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if you see Princeton Fant uh, come in some pass, pass protection situations play running back. And I think maybe another thing I'd be interested to watch and, and at least monitor if 
uh, that does become a concern. Do we see Jeremy Banks, you know, get some short yardage carries, especially if it is Jabari Small that, that goes down? Um, so I think it, it's not a huge detriment to this team, but it's something that's going to need to be monitored, and it's something that could become a, a problem if injuries persist. I would just be surprised if Banks flips. Like, with how many snaps he's going to be asked to be involved with, I just – to He's not, not going to flip. Yeah, no, no, not what I'm saying, flip, but even like risk an injury or something. I don't know. Like you just need him. Like you don't you don't want to add more wear and tear to Jeremy Banks at this point. Like you're just, hey, we need you out there for 90 plays a game, maybe. Um, I don't know. I I, we'll see uh, with Banks. But I also think like when you see Princeton fan and Jacob Bourne out there, uh, my guess is they're going to be running split zone uh, is my guess. And Princeton will be uh, he'll be going after the left edge guy. And that's that's what I'm going to guess. So I think Princeton and Jacob will be there a lot uh, when they're running split zone with uh, either Jabari or Jalen. I think that's the other part of it, too, is I think the other part of the concern is that Jalen has not been healthy for two weeks and is doing no contact stuff. And you're like, is he right? Like you, you see him on the freaks list and you're like, awesome. Uh, He's going to have a breakout year, but it's also like he's hobbling into the regular season. And I think Tennessee fans would be far less concerned about the running back room. If Jalen Wright did not have the banged up summer that he's had and going into the year limping, I think that's the bigger concern where you have only one non-freshman running back that you're certain is healthy going into next year. And maybe it's just like, hey, Jabari put on weight, so now he's not going to get injured. Like, Jabari is a bigger dude, so we're not as concerned about Jabari's durability. And that would change stuff because he wasn't durable last year. And um, if that if Jabari is that this year, that's a big thing because that, uh, that, that'll go a long way. But uh, we'll have to see. Um, Ethan, when you look at the Ball State game as a whole, though, what – fascinates you the most about this game just seeing how people that aren't named cedric tillman just how they operate um i guess especially what the wide receiver room is what i'm getting at there it's it's kind of close to what you said earlier just if brew mccoy can't go who's going to be that next guy uh ramel keaton is a guy i don't think that you brought up that probably will get more playing time if, if mccoy is not declared eligible before that not sure how he's going to do i'm very interested to see if Jalen Hyatt does anything uh, notable against uh, a team like Ball State, obviously the 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 cupcake the cupcake game of the year that that Tennessee is going to be warming up for Pitt for, um, obviously uh, the, that's I'm very excited for that matchup, obviously, and then obviously moving more into the season with the the tough schedule that Tennessee has. But Ball State is is what Ball State is. There, it's going to be an, an easy game that Tennessee should win by 30 points. But you have to make sure that you're doing all the simple things right. I mean, you can't be fumbling the snaps on, on the first play of the game. You can't be, you know, missing easy out routes. You can't, can't be missing easy block assignments, stuff like that. And that's what I'm going to be looking for. You, you want Tennessee to win, but you also want them to win solidly. It doesn't need to be a, you know, a 20-point game. This needs to be a 50-point game. If Tennessee's truly going to be going for nine wins, uh, shooting for 10 wins this season like they say they want to, then, then they got they got to beat the Ball States convincingly, and then they got to, you know, go into Pittsburgh prepared, ready, you know, with the who, who's going to play for Brew McCoy if, if if such things happen? Who's going to be our our, our running backs for this if Jalen Wright can't get healthy? And those are all the things you kind of have to have to look at right now, monitor and 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 solve, I guess, going into week two. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, probably number one in the stadium for patients. Uh, what everything? What the, what the jumbotron in Orphan Zone looks like? The party um, area. 
the party deck, all, mm-hmm. all the the new stuff I haven't seen. What the what the vol letters look like lit up. Um, but, but in seriousness, I mean, again, there's probably only so much you can glean. Everything Ethan said is accurate. You know, wanting to see the status quo. I think probably the one thing from a personnel standpoint I'll be interested to see is what that left tackle rotation looks like. You know, they've mm-hmm. said they're going to play both guys in. You know. It, Jer- Jeremiah Crawford can be the starter, and they're probably going to play both guys in this game because they're, it's Ball State, and we don't expect it to be competitive. How quickly do they rotate? How often do they rotate? What's the snap discrepancy look like between Gerald Mincy and Jeremiah Crawford? That's probably, uh, I think, the number one uh, most interesting thing for me uh, because everything else, you know, we expect the game not to be competitive. I feel like we have a pretty good idea on a lot of the position battles uh, at this point, or oh, but the left tackle spot. It's kind of been been up in the air. Uh, the only real indication we've gotten is what Heupel said that they're going to play both guys, and the fact that it's still a left tackle. You know, they they don't feel like they need to move Darnell right back, which was certainly a good sign. But uh, that's going to be uh, the one I'm going to be watching. Ryan, how's the how's the secondary looking? Uh, I'm just wondering who's yeah. Who's I the, mean, the leaders right now, I guess there. Yeah, I think Tamara McDonald is going to start at the star spot, and I think it'll probably be Haddon and. Burrell to start the season. I, you know, I think one, I think we talked about this one of the last two weeks, Chase, you know, I'd be one of my bold predictions. I think Christian Charles might start over Warren Burrell by the middle of the season, but uh, I don't think that'll be the case week one. And, you know, I'm actually, I wrote a piece yesterday, three reasons why Tennessee could overachieve uh, this season. I'm going to write one today, three reasons why Tennessee can underachieve and uh, peek behind the curtain. You know, one of those will be, you know, the secondary just isn't, it, it just falls out for the secondary. I mean, the depth has been better. They look, you know, they look good. There's promising pieces, but at the same time, there aren't a whole lot of guys in that room we've seen play at a high level. And I think it really is, you know, a possibility that it, the secondary is just bad. I mean, it's what it was in the Kentucky game. It's what it was in the Purdue game. And even probably more than the left tackle spot. I think that's probably the biggest question. Or when you look at the questions on this team, if the answers are bad, I think that one could probably have the worst result uh, for Tennessee in the long term. Interesting. Uh, pivoting to baseball for a second, um, Ryan, when you look at the summers that a lot of guys have had, uh, Hunter Inslee, Logan Chambers, Hollis Fanning, who popped the most to you this summer and someone that you would not be surprised to have kind of a, a breakout year going to next year that Tennessee fans don't really know about yet? Yeah, Logan Chambers is one that stands out because he was really good in the fall last year too. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been really good every time we've seen him besides in the season when he wasn't good and didn't play. And I can almost see it kind of being a, a drill Ortega 2.0 situation where mm. Ortega came in, there was a ton of buzz about him. He lost his starting job and couldn't gain any traction his first year. Comes back second year and is really, really good. So I could see that. And another one, and his numbers weren't phenomenal, but Wyatt Evans uh, had some impressive stretches in the Cape Cod League and was really good there. And I think he's a, probably as talented as any of the underclassmen pitchers who, who didn't have a huge role last season. Those kind of midweek arms – uh, to me, he was as impressive as any of them. So I uh, and has mid nineties stuff, and was a guy Tennessee really liked when they got over over South Carolina. And then you know, one other pitcher who probably had the mo- to me the most impressive summer was what Xander Seacrest did. I mean, he was really really good and put up some really good numbers. So obviously, he was Tennessee's midweek starter a season ago. And Tennessee has a lot of lefty arms in that bullpen, so it's not going to be anything easy uh, for him. But he's a guy that I'm certainly going to be curious interested to watch here in uh when fall practice gets going here in a couple weeks man fall practice already already back that's nuts man that is um 
Yeah. Ethan, what do you think? Have you are you already doing some preliminary vol baseball research this summer? I wish I could tell you I I, I have been. I've been very college football the past month. Yeah. Uh, I, I if I talked about it, I would sound a hundred times less intelligent. So I'm just not. <laughs> no, here you go. I got you. There's a Stratton Scott who committed to the Vols, and uh, he's going to be really good. Stratton Scott. It's a great name. It's a absolute baseball name. Stratton Scott. Like that, that is a is. baseball name. Farragut. You, you see the Farragut, the Farragut guy. I feel like nineteen kids have committed from Farragut to Tennessee yeah. in the last three weeks, so it's very possible. Ryan, can you? Is that is that another Farragut kid? I believe so. Uh, okay, I, I think he is so. because I remember the yeah. name from Five Star this past season. Yeah, Stratton. Yeah. It's, it's a bold name. Stratton is like someone you just you're going to be an athlete. Like there are certain names where you're just. Stratton, there's no chance that you do anything else. There's no Stratton running for uh, uh, class president. There's no Stratton who's playing the oboe in uh, the school band. It's not a not a thing. Not a bassoon for all my uh, only murders in the building super fans over on Hulu. A fantastic show mm. that uh, people should go check out. Season two just wrapped up. It's a great show on Hulu. If you need a break from, uh, oh my God, what's going on with all Twitter? Hey, just pop on Hulu. Only murders in the building. It's fantastic. Um, something you might know a little bit about, though, Ethan. Freddie DeLeon. DeLeone. DeLeon? 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 Do we, do we know? How about that? I, I had a pronunciation guide. Or I, that's not what it's called, but whatever those things are called. And DeLeon is how I read it. I haven't had anyone tell it to me yet. I would feel better if I could right? someone sound it out. But Dillion is is my I, understanding from that. My internal dialogue also read it as Dillion. Uh, mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that Ryan's right here because that, that confirms that I was right in my mind. So yeah. I'm going to say that Ryan was correct there. <laughs> um, well, he moved up the charts. Like he, uh, can, How does this work? So where is he now uh, in the rankings? And like how much bigger of a uh, commitment is it for him now? to commit to the balls if i'm not mistaken he moved to top 25 i think i think he's 20 24 or something like that the number four combo guard mm. like I, could, I could just look this up while i'm talking but that, that's right he's on 247's personal rankings which is what got updated this week he's, he's yeah. 24 yeah but i mean obviously huge pickup for tennessee i, I don't have to tell you about that a class of 2023 guy combo guard he's going to be um, a guy that is only getting better uh, from what I've heard. He's a guy that is moving up. 24 is probably not going to be his peak. And I think Rick Barnes and company are going to love him. Uh, there's really not much more to say after that. I feel like he, it's the, the second commitment of, of Barnes' 2023 class, I believe. And, you know, it, it just it gets me excited for basketball season. Now, I know football season's literally tomorrow, but uh, we've got just a couple months till basketball season. And obviously, DeLeon will be on campus next season in the class of 2023. So very interested to see what he can do on the court, uh, where he projects for the future, uh, if, if he goes up, if he goes down. From what I've seen, from what I've heard, from the highlights I've watched of the guy, from the little I know about him, he's, he's going to be trending up for Tennessee. And he, I don't know, it, it might be crazy to say it, but he might get the five-star ranking. You just never know. I'm also curious, is, is Estrella, when is he making his decision? Do we know that? A week from today. Okay. And it seems like time. he's still leaning Tennessee? Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's been anything de- definitive, but uh, a lot of crystal balls, predictions. I don't know what the other sites call it or predictions. The prediction <laughs> machine seem to, seems to favor Tennessee right now, but 
And I don't, you know, I don't know if that one's a complete done deal. But again, I think kind of with Estrella, similar to, to DeLeon, where it's a guy that well, Tennessee got in on early before they really blew up. And I think that paid huge dividends for him. And I think it's, you know, a good testament to the scouting because over the last year, you know, I don't know if there's been two guys that have skyrocketed up the recruiting rankings uh, as much as those two. Uh-oh. Is there a conspiracy here, Ryan? Like the way your friend, like they just, two guys have skyrocketed uh, right around the time they commit to the Vols. Is there more at play here? Is this why the NCAA is holding up the Brew McCoy situation? Is there is there more at play here? How deep does this go? <laughs> I do not think there's more at play here. I am not suggesting any uh, recruiting website conspiracy to bump Tennessee commits. Estrella has gotten bumped a lot before commitment. And okay. I spent all summer seeing Jeff Goodman talk about how much he likes Freddie Dillion <laughs> and see every every update I see on this kid on the kid said he's going to get bumped in the next recruiting ranking. So uh, I don't think any conspiracy here, but it, it certainly works out well for the for Duvall's recruiting rankings. If you're big, you want to go to Tennessee. Like Barnes, it's like I'll play a, a five at the two. I don't care. Sit, try and stop me. Try and stop me. Who needs spacing? We need point euros this, this yeah. year. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, you look, you look at it. This going into next year, Olivier's probably going to be gone. Euros mm. could could be gone. You know, Jonas Adu is kind of the one big man that you feel like when Estrella, when Dillion get here, is still going to kind of be on the team. So it, it certainly makes sense that Tennessee's been appealing uh, to big men. They're going to be able to offer playing time, and obviously, Kate Phillips, the other guy that had power forward out of Alabama. I, I really. I really like both of those guys. It would certainly be big for Tennessee to get Estrella in the boat next week. There you go. Uh, Ethan, what can the good folks check out from you at the new digs Saturday down South friend of the pods, Connor O'Gara, Chris Marler, all that, uh, all those guys over there. What can they check out from you? You had the Brew McCoy piece uh, debut yeah. over there, but uh, what else? Yeah. First plan piece. Obviously, like I said, a couple days ago, I, it ran uh, just about Brew McCoy about, the, uh, the bad luck Tennessee has had in the, in the transfer portal as of late, getting eligibility passed. And uh, Monday, I'm going to have another one, likely. Uh, also kind of off topics we've talked about today, just on, on running backs, how Tennessee will fare moving forward with, obviously, Jalen Wright and Javari Small as the feature guys without Lindsay Dixon, obviously, just leaving. And I'm just going to be uh, putting in hours on the news desk. So just keep up national news. Anything interesting, uh, I'll probably be writing about it at some point this week. There you go. There you go. What about you? Ryan Shempert over at Rocky Top Insider. Yeah, everything uh, getting you ready for the season. Like I said, had the three reasons why Tennessee will overachieve yesterday. We'll have why they could underachieve today. So all that good stuff. Uh, we'll have you updated on on Estrella as well. Anything that happens there in the next week before his commitment. So just uh, par for the course over, over at RTI. There you go. There you go. Ryan, Ethan, thank you as always. I greatly appreciate it. And you guys have yourself a great weekend. And I'll talk to you all next week. Sounds great. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.